All right, praises be to our loving Father that we are gathered once again to study his words and his commandments. So our question for today really is only one question. It's all about the great earthquake in Revelation. And so the question we pose is, was Revelation 11, 13 and 15 already fulfilled during the 2004 earthquake in Indonesia? How many still remember the earthquake of 2004? I, going back into my memory banks, I do distinctly remember it. I believe I was in San Pablo somewhere when this took place. And it was an exciting event because it created a lot of steer. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. The earthquake in 2004, was that the fulfillment of Revelation 11, 13 and 15? This question was given to us by one of our viewers, I'm not gonna mention the name of our viewer, of course, but the question is posed like this. Hello po, Harolando. Tungkol sa hula sa Revelation 11, 13 and 15, na hukay ko po itong hula mula noon sa Central. Ito po ang paliwanag nila sa hula. This was 2004. So, hello, Brother Rolando. Regarding the prophecy in Revelation 11, 13 to 15, I uncovered this prophecy from. This was their explanation to me about the fulfillment of this prophecy. This was 2004. And so, let us go ahead and read what is recorded in Revelation 11, 13 and 15. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. So that's what is recorded in Revelation 11, 13 and 15. And if you notice, there is a mention of a great earthquake. And in the earthquake, how many people were killed? The prophecy states 7,000 people were killed. And after this earthquake takes place, the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So that's the great earthquake in Revelation 11, 13, and 15. This is significant to us because it tells us that we ought to be preparing for the coming quickly of the third world. So was this fulfilled in the great earthquake of 2004? Well, what was that great earthquake about? Well, according to the Inquirer News, this was also included by the person asking the question and also explanations for why uh, they believed that this was already fulfilled in 2004. So the tidal waves killed seven so there was an earthquake, right, somewhere in the Indian Ocean, and it killed 7,000 people, according to the newspaper. And so that was posted, and underneath it is an explanation, if we can magnify it. This is Colombo, Sri Lanka. The most powerful earthquake is 40 years, triggered in, in 40 years, I guess, uh, triggered massive tidal waves that slammed into coastlines across Asia, on Sunday, killing more than 7,000 people in Sri Lanka, India, Indonesia, Thailand, and Malaysia. Tourists, fishermen, hotels, homes, and cars were swept away by walls of water unleashed by the 8.9 magnitude earthquake. So indeed, this was not an ordinary earthquake because look at the size or the intensity of the earthquake. 8.9 
in magnitude. And so this took place uh, in the Indian Ocean affecting several countries. So could this earthquake, this great earthquake that took place in 2004, that centered around the Indian Ocean, was that the fulfillment of the great earthquake in Revelation chapter 11? I don't believe that it is. I don't believe that the earthquake mentioned in Revelation 11 has already, be, has already been fulfilled. Now, there are six reasons I will present to you tonight, which is why I believe that the great earthquake of 2004 was not, take note, was not the fulfillment of the great earthquake mentioned in Revelation chapter 11. So let's go through these six reasons. Reason number one, the 2004, Earth, Indian, uh, 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake affected the wrong area. Well, what areas were affected by the Indian earthquake? According to uh, earthquake-related tsunami hazard along the western coast of Thailand, natural hazards and earth system sciences, it's a journal published back in 2006, the earthquake followed by the tsunami was felt in Bangladesh, India, Malaysia, Myanmar, Thailand, Sri Lanka, and the Maldives. So this was the area affected by the earthquake around the area of the Indian Ocean. However, according to scripture, according to the prophecy, what area was supposed to be affected by the earthquake? Revelation 11, verse 13, in the same hour, there was a great earthquake, right? And a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. So according to the prophecy in Revelation eleven thirteen, the great earthquake mentioned there is going to specifically affect the city. A tenth of the city fell because of the earthquake. And so we need to know which city was the Bible referring to. Was it a city somewhere mentioned in the uh, the article that was given somewhere along the Indian Ocean? Is it a city there? What city is being specified here in the book of Revelation? Well, all we need to do is go to Revel Revelation 11, and the verse is 8 to get the context. Revelation 11, 8, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was Crucified. So in Revelation 11, it specifies which city would fall, a tenth of it would fall because of the great earthquake. What city is that, brothers and sisters? It mentions the great city. Well, that doesn't tell you much, does it? Well, actually, it tells us a lot because it specifies the characteristics of this city. Two things we need to understand about this city. Number one, it's where also our Lord was crucified. Well, where was King Yahusha crucified? A great city associated with the crucifixion of our King Yahusha is none other than Jerusalem. So when the Bible speaks of the great city, it refers to Jerusalem. Why then is it called Sodom and Egypt? That's because in Revelation 11, the Bible is telling us that in the last days or right before the end comes, Jerusalem will be in an apostate state. 
This is why spiritually it is described as Sodom and Egypt. Jerusalem at this point is not yet restored. And so when our king comes, he will usher in the restoration of Jerusalem so that it will no longer be Sodom and Egypt. So the great city mentioned in Revelation 11 that will suffer when the great earthquake hits is not some city in the Indian Ocean. It's not some city in Sri Lanka. It is specifically the city of Jerusalem. That's reason number one why I don't believe the 2004 earthquake was the fulfillment of Revelation 11.8. What's reason number two? Well, the numbers conflict with the prophecy. Why? Revelation 11.13, in the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. So according to the prophecy, when the earthquake hit and leveled a tenth of Jerusalem, what also happened as a casualty of the earthquake? Bible says how many people were killed? 7,000. It says 7,000 people were killed. Well, Brother John, wasn't that the headline on the newspapers, on the, broad, the, uh, the, the broadcast like CNN? Wasn't it 7,000? Well, tidal waves kill 7,000 according to the inquirer. Yes, that's true. It reports 7,000. Tidal waves kill 7,000. However, the total number of casualties, the total number of people killed, it was not just 7,000. In fact, if you do the research, go to Wikipedia, you can, do, you can do this tonight. Wikipedia, 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami, a series of massive tsunami waves grew up to 30 meters, 100 feet high, once heading inland after being created by the underwater seismic activity offshore. Communities along the surrounding coasts of the Indian Ocean were devastated and the tsunamis killed an estimated, how many? Not just 7,000, but how many? 227,898 people in 14 countries, making it one of the deadliest natural disasters in recorded history. So according to Wikipedia, it wasn't just 7,000. How many? 227,898 people perished in 14 countries, unfortunately, or I shouldn't say unfortunately, but amongst the casualties, amongst the nations affected, Jerusalem was not included. This is why when we look at the details of the prophecy, for example, the 7,000 that were mentioned, it does not fit the prophecy, does it? However, there's an explanation given by those who believe the prophecy was fulfilled in the 2004 earthquake. And the explanation goes on like this. Ang sabi nila sa akin, alam mo bang isa na lang noon ang hindi pa natutupad, pero natupad ito kahapon. Alos lahat ng nilalaman ng mga news sa CNN at newspaper, malakas na lindol ito, saan kanakakita ng lindol na hindi lang tatlo o apat na bansa ang apektado, kundi mahigit, mahigit pa na kumitil ng 7,000 katao. Maaaring maragdagan pa yan, bilang, yung bilang na yan, pero ang unang bugso ay 7,000. In English, uh, what they said to me was almost all the news that was covered by CNN and newspapers 
great earthquake, or have, where have you seen an earthquake that affected not just three or four countries, but also killed 7,000 people? It is possible that the number will increase, but the initial reports were 7,000. So according to the explanation, the initial report or was 7,000. And so for, to make the prophecy work, you have to focus only on the initial report, not in the total number of people killed. However, when you look at the prophecy, it specifies 7,000 people were killed. It doesn't say that 7,000 people were killed initially, but 7,000 people were killed. Not only that, a tenth of Jerusalem fell. And so to make this prophecy fit the event of 2004, the numbers mentioned here have to be uh, demonstrated, but they cannot demonstrate the numbers matching uh, the prophecy. This is why I don't believe the 2004 earthquake mentioned by, uh, or that was re, uh, re, uh, connected to in our study today is the fulfillment of the great earthquake. So that's two reasons. Let's go to reason number three. The two witnesses have not preached, died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven yet. You see, in Revelation eleven thirteen, 13, something I want to point out to you. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, right? And a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Take note, when does this earthquake occur? The Bible says, the prophecy states very clearly, in the same hour. And so the great earthquake is connected to a previous event. It's tied to that event because it mentions in the same hour. So something happened uh, before this great earthquake occurred. So we need to look at that because the great earthquake cannot occur until after this event that took place previous to verse 13 has already taken place. It makes sense, doesn't it? So we need to know now well, what is Apostle John referring to? That has to happen. And in that same hour, the earthquake will occur. Let's go back to Revelation 11, uh, 7 to 10. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. So what has to happen first before the earthquake occurs? There's going to be two prophets. We know them to be the two witnesses. What will they do? They will give a testimony. In other words, they will preach the words of Yahuwah and the words of Yahusha HaMashiach. And after finishing their testimony, after preaching their message, what's going to happen next? The beast will emerge. And what will the beast do? They will oh, The beast will overcome the two prophets, the two witnesses, and kill them. What will they do with the bodies? They will lie 
in the street of the great city. Where is that? In Jerusalem. And what uh, will they do with the dead bodies? The Bible says uh, those from peoples, tribes, nations, and tongues will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. So what we know is this. Before the earthquake comes, there's going to be the emergence of two prophets, two witnesses who will preach the word of Yahuwah Abba, and they will be put to death, and they will not be taken into the grave. What else is going to happen? Let's keep reading, 11 to 13. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tent of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. And so what is going to happen to the lifeless bodies of the two witnesses? After three and a half days, the Bible says the breath of life will be will enter them from Yahuwah Alaim, and then they will stand on their feet. What do we call that? Resurrection. And so, so far, we see the emergence, not only of the beast, right? That has to happen first. There's going to be the emergence of the beast. Then there's going to be the emergence or the coming forth of the two prophets or two witnesses who will preach. They'll be put to death, and then they're going to be resurrected. Not only will they be resurrected, the Bible says they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here, and they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. So after the resurrection, what also will take place? The ascending to heaven of these two witnesses or these two prophets in the same hour. What does that mean? In the same hour that the two witnesses ascend to heaven, that's when the earthquake will occur, which tells us before the earthquake can occur, what has to happen first. The emergence, the preaching, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of the two witnesses to where? Heaven, where all will see them. Their enemies will see them. Has that happened already? Not yet. The two witnesses haven't preached their message yet. They haven't been put to death yet. They haven't been resurrected yet. They haven't ascended to heaven yet. And so how can we then say that verse 13 has already been fulfilled? It does not make any sense. It, is, it does not fill, fit the context. This is why brethren, like what we always say to you in this program, and in our Bible studies, always check the context, right? Read the passages before and after the selected passage because we need to get the context. We cannot just take one verse here and then make our own conclusion and take another verse here and make another conclusion. No, there has to be cohesion because if there's no cohesion or harmony, we can make the Bible teach us anything we want. That's why in the hands of unstable minds, when you have the passage and you take it out of a context, it can communicate something very different. Always check the context. That's reason number three. Reason number four. 
it ignores the first woe and the first six trumpet events of the seventh seal mentioned in Revelation. You see, something happens when the earthquake occurs. Revelation 11, 13 and 14. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. And so once the earthquake happens, 7,000 people are killed. A tenth of the city has fallen. The Bible says the second woe is past. And the third woe is coming quickly. So if the second woe has already passed it, back in 2004, it means the first woe was already concluded, right? But here's the problem. What is the first woe? I mean, if the earthquake of 2004 was the second woe, what was the fulfillment of the first woe? So those who believe that the event, uh, the earthquake event in the Indian Ocean 2004 was the fulfillment of the second woe, well, they have to tell us what the first woe event was, what the fulfillment of the first woe was. Why? So that we can test whether or not the timeline fits because the book of Revelation and the events that will unfold during the Christian era, it fits a cohesive and sequential timeline. And so we need to first understand, well, what's the first wall? And this is the challenge we issue them. Tell us what the fulfillment of the first wall was so that we can investigate it further. Not only that, Revelation 11, 13 and 15, we keep reading the second wall was passed. Behold, the third wall is coming quickly. Verse 15, then what happens next? The seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So when the third woe comes, the, uh, when the third woe, the Bible says the, the third woe is coming quickly, and then after that statement, verse 15, what will happen? The seventh angel sounded. What does that mean? The, seven, the seventh angel sounded in Revelation 8, 1 to 2, when he opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And so the Bible tells us when the seventh seal is open, there are seven angels who are given seven trumpets, because the seven seals is also divided into seven trumpet events. And so if the seventh, the uh, second woe, the great earthquake will take place right before the seventh trumpet is blown. Well, what events took place in the first trumpet, the second trumpet, the third trumpet, the fourth trumpet, the fifth trumpet, the sixth trumpet. You have to also specify that because we have to check the cohesion. We have to check the timeline. Does it fit the timeline of the book of Revelation? We can't just select a woe and an event in the, in the seventh seal and say, this is the fulfillment. And then you don't tell us what's happening between, right? And so those who believe that the 2004 event was the fulfillment of Revelation 11, well, this is what they say. Uh, Hebrews 1, 1 to 2 na ang panahon ng E, mga magulang, mga propeta, kristyano, ang tatlong 
bahagi ng panahon ng mundo. Nasa panahong kristyano na po tayo na ito'y nababahagi naman sa seven seals, seven tatak. Nasa ikapitong tatak na po tayo na siyang dulo o wakas ng panahong kristyano. Pinakita ni na tayo ang nakabunga sa pagkabalik ni Heso Kristo. Ang ikapitong tatak daw ay nababahagi sa pitong hihip ng pakakak na ang ikapitong hihip ng pakakak ay siyang pagbabalik ni Kristo mula sa langit. Tayo po ay nasa ikaanin na hihip ng pakakak at ito ay nababahagi naman sa tatlong pagkaaba. In English, Hebrews 1-2 mentions the times of the fathers, the prophets, Christians are the three dispensations of times. We are currently in the Christian era which was further divided into seven seals. We are in the seventh seal which is at the end of the Christian era. He showed us that we are at the forefront of the return of Christ. The seventh seal was divided into seven trumpets, and the seventh trumpet marks the return of Christ from heaven. We are in the sixth trumpet, which is further divided into three woes. So those who believe that the second woe was fulfilled in the earthquake, right? Well, They also believe in the timeline of the events of the book of Revelation. According to them, this is what's going to happen in the history of mankind. There's a time of the fathers, time of the prophets, time of the Christians. Time of the Christians, there's also a timeline, right? And this includes seven seals. So there are seven sequential events that will take place all the way to seven. And in the seventh seal, uh, it was divided into seven trumpets, seven trumpet events. And then the three woes. And so they believe in the timeline of the book of Revelation. So what they have to present us with is if the earthquake of the 2004, uh, the earthquake 2004 was fulfilled right before the seventh trumpet, well, what were the fulfillment of the first six trumpets? Unless that information is given, then how can we speak of the validity of the, the uh, their uh, belief that uh, the 2004 earthquake was the fulfillment of the seventh trumpet. So we need to first understand, they have to give us what are the events of the first six trumpets. So that's reason number four. Reason number five, why hasn't the third woe happened yet? Because if the second woe happened back in, when was that? 2004, what year is it today? 2021, how many years have passed? 17 years? more or less, almost 17 years, if this took place in December, right? So that's 17 years. So why hasn't the third woe happened yet? Well, Revelation 11, 11, 13, 14. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. And so the Bible specifies That after the second woe is passed, the third woe is coming quickly. And so if it took place back in 2004, and it's already 2021, how can we say it's coming quickly? To be fair, one could say, well, relatively speaking, right, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, compared to the age of the earth, well, that's pretty quick, right? True. Granted, however, the one who makes, who uh, believes that the 2004 event was the fulfillment of Revelation 11 also has this to say. 
This is what they said. Natapos na ang una, natapos ang una, alam mo bang ang naganap kahapon ay ang ikadalawang ika pagkaaba? Basahin mo na ang Apokalipsis 11-13-15. Matapos ko itong basahin ay ipinapansin sa akin ang terminong mabilis na dumarating ang ikatatlong pagkaaba. Ang sabi nila, hindi na magtatagal ang mundong ito. At wawasakin na ang Panginoon, Panginoon Diyos maaring mamaya o isang linggo o isang buwan. And so the one who suggested that the fulfillment of the Revelation 11 earthquake was fulfilled in 2004 also believes in just how close the term quickly means. In English, did you know that yesterday the second wall was fulfilled. Read Revelation 11, 13 to 15. After reading this passage, he told me to take note of the phrase, the third wall is coming quickly. He said, the world is, will not last long and the Lord God will destroy it possibly later today or next week or next month. And so the one who suggested the idea that the 2004 earthquake was a fulfillment of Revelation 11, 13 and 15, is telling us the meaning of quickly, how quickly. He says not long, possibly later today, right? Next week or next month. Now, 17 years later, we're still here. That's not within the parameters, right? Of what he defines as quickly. And so we can see here, it's already way overdue. This is why it cannot be the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 11. So that's reason number five. And the final reason, reason six, based uh, the, the suggestion that the 2004 event earthquake is the fulfillment of Revelation, right, is based on the assumption that the earthquake of Revelation was the only sign yet to be fulfilled prior to return of the Mashiach. Is that true? That's from before 2004, the only sign left that has to be fulfilled before the return of Mashiach was that earthquake. Is that true? Well, let's go ahead and look at the basis for that assumption. Um, let's go back to the explanation that they pose. I'm not going to read the Tagalog. I'll read the English. The Tagalog is there if you want to read it. He made me read what is written in Matthew 24, 333 and 6 to 8. Okay. Ezekiel 7, 3 to 8 and 10 to 11 and 15. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 down to 3. About the signs that will take place when the return of Christ is near. We're going to go through all the passages decided here and analyze. Okay. Uh, do you know that there was only one sign left that was not yet fulfilled? But this was fulfilled yesterday. Almost all the news that was covered by CNN and newspapers, great earthquake, or, or have you seen an earthquake that affected not just three or four countries, but also killed 7,000 people. So the basis in believing that the earthquake was the fulfillment of Revelation 11 is their belief, right, that this single disaster, this earthquake, is the only sign left that has yet to be fulfilled. And so if this was fulfilled, it means we are going to just be waiting only for the second coming of our King Yahusha HaMashiach. And so what is the basis used in believing this and making this assumption that that was the only sign left before Yahusha returns. Well, they mentioned Matthew, Ezekiel, Thessalonians. Let's go to Ezekiel first. 
Ezekiel 7 to 8 and to 11 and 15. Let's go ahead. What are the signs that have to be fulfilled according to Ezekiel? Ezekiel 7, 10 to 11, 15. Behold, the day, behold, it has come. Doom has gone out. The rod has blossomed. Pride has budded. Violence has risen up into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain. None of their multitude. None of them. Uh, nor shall there be wailing for them. The sword is outside. The pestilence and famine within. Whoever is in the field will die by the sword. Whoever is in the city, famine and pestilence will devour him. So according to the book of Ezekiel, some of the signs that will take place before the second advent of our kingdom, according to um, their teaching, right, is pride will bud, violence will rise, wickedness will rise, there'll be famines and pestilence and sword. There's going to be violence, right? So these are the events that will take place. And we know all of that has been fulfilled, right? But according to what we read, right, the explanation of why they believe that uh, the earthquake is the only sign left that has, not, that has not been fulfilled is because of Ezekiel 7, 3 to 8. Let's read Ezekiel 7, 3 to 8. Now the end has come upon you, and I will send my anger against you. I will judge you according to your ways, and I will repay you for all your abominations. My eye will not spare you, nor will I have pity, but I will repay your ways, and your abominations will be in your midst. Then you shall know that I am Yahuwah. Thus says the Lord God, a disaster, a singular disaster. Behold, it has come. So that's the earthquake that they were referring to as the only sign left. And an end has come. The end has come. It has dawned for you. Behold, it has come. Doom has come to you, you who dwell in the land. The time has come. A day of trouble is near, not of rejoicing in the mountains. Now upon you, I will soon pour out my fury and spend my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways, and I will repay you for all your abominations. So the, the singular disaster mentioned in Ezekiel 73 way is what they're saying to be the fulfillment of that earthquake in 2004 in Sri Lanka, the Indian Ocean. But the only problem with that is when you look at Ezekiel 7, 3 down to 8, it mentions, right, this single disaster will affect the land. What land? Well, we read 3 down to 8. Let's read 7, 1 to 2. Moreover, the word of Yahuwah came to me saying, and you son of man, Thus says the Lord God to the land of, what does it say? Sri Lanka, somewhere in India. So, is it there? Malaysia? What land? Thailand? What land? The land of Israel. An end. The end has come upon the four corners of the land. So when you check the context, that singular disaster mentioned in Ezekiel 7 is, does not pertain to the vicinity of the Indian Ocean. No. Rather, in Israel, in Jerusalem. This is why Ezekiel 7, that singular disaster, does not fit the earthquake there in Sri Lanka. Because it specifies the land of Israel, not the lands affected by the Indian earthquake back in 2004. What also is their basis, that, which is why they believe that was the only sign left. Well, let's go back to the explanation. Matthew 24, 333 and 6 to 8. So let's read Matthew 24, 333. Now, as he sat in the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? 
And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. And so our King Yahusha was asked a question. What are the signs, right? What are the signs of your coming? What are the signs of the end of the age? And when you see these signs, what does it mean? It means when you see all these things, no, it is near at the doors. Take note, uh, the question was asked in verse 3, right? And then the conclusion was made in verse, what? 33. So when you see all these things, know that it is, it is near. So between verse 3 and verse 33, what do you find? The signs, right? So the signs are going to be revealed in verses 4 to 32. And so for us to come to a conclusion, if it's the last sign that we're waiting for, we need to first examine uh, be the verses between 3 and 33. And so they go to 6 to 8. That was mentioned. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And so we know this passage well, right? But remember, the conclusion was made where? In verse 33. And so there are other signs that still have to be fulfilled. Have all this already been fulfilled? Wars and rumors of wars? Yeah, 1914, right? How about nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom? When was that? 1939. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes, are they also being fulfilled? Yeah, right? But it doesn't stop there. Because if you will say these are the signs that will take place right before the end, and there is one more sign, a great earthquake, a singular disaster, well, how about all the other signs in between? Because if you look at the other signs in between, a 6 to 8 and 33, these are the following. These are included. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh should be, would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And so what other events, what other signs are going to be fulfilled uh, before the return of our King Yahushua? Many more signs. One of which I think is the most powerful sign. One that should cause us to be really prepared. What was that? I mean, Yahusha himself highlighted this sign, right? What is that sign? He said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. So if there was a sign that we need to be looking for, it's not, it wasn't the earthquake. It's this one. He says there's going to be an abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet. When will this be fulfilled according to Daniel? Daniel 9.27. It will take place at the midpoint of the last seven years. 
the last seven years of Earth. Has that already happened? Not yet, right? What else? Great tribulation. What else? The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. There are many more signs. What other signs must happen before the earthquake takes place? Revelation 11, Peter 7, and I will give power to my two witnesses, right? Not only the two witnesses in verse 7, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. So there are many more signs that will take place. The third temple, the anti-Mashia, the beast, the two witnesses, all of that will have to be, will have to be fulfilled first before the earthquake happens. This is why to say the earthquake is the only sign left, that is not correct. And so that is the assumption that's made to make the conclusion that the 2004 earthquake was a fulfillment of Revelation 11. But it's obvious there's so many other signs that have yet to be fulfilled. This is why we cannot, I do not believe, of course I can be wrong, and you're welcome to test what we have to say here in our program, um, but we believe it has not been fulfilled yet. The earthquake has not been fulfilled yet because all these other signs that must take place before it has to take place first. And they haven't taken place already. And what also was mentioned in the explanation, one more passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-3. Let's go ahead and read 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-3. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. But when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. This we absolutely believe, right? We don't know when that sudden destruction will come because it will come as a thief in the night. However, having said this, Apostle Paul tells us, does it mean that we have no idea that we cannot tell if it's close or near. We can. Because after reading verse 3, Apostle Paul writes in verses 4 down to 6. He says, but you brethren are not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You see, for a thief who's in darkness, guess what? Uh, this destruction will come upon them suddenly. But for those who are in the light, Apostle Paul writing to the brethren who are not in darkness. He says, so that this day should overtake you as a thief, right? You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And so Apostle Paul tells us, yes, we do not know the exact day and hour, right, of the return of Mashiach, but we will know the times and the seasons because we are in the light. And so what does Apostle Paul exhort us to do? Verse 6, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Apostle Paul tells us we should not sleep. You know what the equivalent of that is? Those who are sleeping are not using their mind. They simply accept whatever spoon fed to them. As brethren of the Apostle Paul, as followers of Mashiach, the one thing we must never do is to automatically believe and completely believe everything that's being preached. This is why what we're presenting to you in this program, we want you to test it. Because you're supposed to use what God has given us here, our thinking. 
We're supposed to be awake and sober. In other words, we need to be using our minds instead of just accepting whatever is presented to us. Test everything, including what we're presenting here. Test everything and find out for yourself if the 2000th earthquake was the fulfillment of Revelation 11, right? Bible tells us we must not sleep. Let us watch. Let us be sober. We need to study the word of God. And what should we also include in our study in keeping up with the context? Verse 1 of Thessalonians 5, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. This is why we need to study scripture in full, including the Old Testament, because in the Old Testament, Testament we will find all about the times and the seasons so that we can be in the light. So we will not be likened to a thief who is in darkness, but being the sons of the light, being people of Yahuwah, Allahim, we will be able to know the times and the seasons so that we can watch, so that we can prepare, so that we can have an understanding of the events taking place today. And so this is what we need to continue to do as followers of Mashiach to prepare for his great day, his time of appearing so that when he appears in the clouds, we shall be with him and be with him forevermore. This is our study for uh, tonight. Let us all stand and we shall pray. Most holy and loving Yahuwah Abba, Amen. almighty Elohim, yes. thank you so much for the message we have received. Yes, you intend for us to be watchful, Yes, which is why you have given us the gift of your scriptures yes, that by your holy words and commandments we yes. how soon before we can see your beloved son appearing in the clouds loving Abba please help us to be watchful yes help us to be sober teach us how to test all things yes. and to hold on to that which is good and right Amen. please pour your spirit upon us when yes. you do see us studying your holy words when yes. we make the effort, take the time to actually study your book. Yes. When you see us making that effort, loving Abba, please pour out your spirit. Yes. Because we know we cannot understand your holy words by our own will. Yes. Please, loving Abba, show to us your will. Show to us your light, the yes. meaning of your words, that we can put them to practice. Magnify your law. And make it honorable again. Amen. Our loving Mashiach Yahusha. Yes. Thank you so much. For you are our king. Yes. We have pledged our loyalty to you. Yes. We will follow you. And the voice coming from you. Because we know this will lead to life everlasting. Ah. But most of all. We will be close to you. Yes. And close to our loving Abba. Amen. Father please continue to bless the efforts of the assembly yes. help us that we may share out the words coming from you yes. with more and more people Amen. we believe father that you have listened to our prayers or yes. we ask and beg everything in the name of our lord and savior yahusha hamashiach amen, amen.